KankyKey podcast is presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses, celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. Learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Thankful for the way stories hold on to the lifetime we won't give back. I know these rivers carry Welcome to Kankakee Podcast, where we talk about the people and places of Kankakee County. I'm Jake Lamore, and this is a super special episode because I'm not going to be your host for this uh, episode. We've only done this one other time in the podcast's history, and I think it went over very well. Uh, Last time, I passed the mic off to Kent Wade to talk about Juneteenth. Now, this time... I'm passing the mic off to Moments resident and two-time Super Bowl champ Ted Peterson so he can guest host and talk with one of the greatest African-American football players to come out of the Kankakee area for Black History Month, and that would be Jimmy Smith. So two local football legends, one podcast, and two of the nicest guys you'll ever meet as well. Now, before I let Jimmy and Ted take over Kankakee Podcast, I want to make sure you know about an important benefit coming up this Thursday, February 23rd. Jimmy Smith runs a nonprofit organization called We Stand for Christ Jesus Ministries, and they're having a fundraiser this Thursday, February 23rd at Van Drunen Farms on Route 17 in Moments. It starts at 6 p.m., And We Stand for Jesus Christ Ministries is currently trying to raise money for a new renovated living space for veterans, transportation to assist residents to doctor appointments and court appearances and things like that, and then also to raise money for full-time staffing. Now, if you can't make the fundraiser this Thursday, you can also make donations to Jimmy Smith's We Stand for Christ Jesus Ministries by mailing a check to 1230 Southeast Avenue, Kankakee, Illinois, 60901. Or you can cash app at WSFCJM or make a deposit at First American Bank in the Meadowview Shopping Center in Kankakee under We Stand for Jesus Christ Ministries. Without further ado, Pittsburgh Steelers Super Bowl champ Ted Peterson interviewing NFL running back Jimmy Smith. Well, good morning. My name's Ted Peterson. I'm from Moments, Illinois. I'm the corporate community liaison for Van Drunen Farms. And I'm happy to be here with Jimmy Smith, a a local legend, and certainly in the football world. And I'm going to get into that. But first, I want to thank Jacob Lamore for allowing Jimmy and I to be on this podcast this morning. I'm really looking forward to it for this reason, as I've had opportunities to be interviewed, James, obviously, and you have too, and uh, and I don't always like that as much. Is uh, but I'm really looking forward to being the interviewer today oh, and wow. interview. I know it's going to be great, and I'm anxious to learn more about you. I know a lot, but you're such a positive story in our area, and I know Jake likes to promote those you know he likes to bring out the positive in our community and uh and i know people are going to hear that today i just want to preface this interview by saying i've known for a long time that you are the best football player to ever come out of kankakee area kankakee county and i you know and i played in the nfl myself uh, was a fourth round draft choice by the steelers played in a couple super bowls but 
I know for a fact you were the best, and uh, it's a real privilege for me to be able to interview you here. Were you born in Kankakee? Actually, Ted, I was not. I was born in Chicago, Illinois. No way. At Cook County Hospital in 1960. But I came to Kankakee. I was two years old. My mom was actually uh, in a, uh, a girl's home when she had me and called Geneva. I don't know if that's still going on today. Yeah, that's interesting. And let's spend a little time telling me about your childhood. What was it like to grow up? I got some more questions about, you know, what, uh, about your athletics and stuff. But what was it like to grow up in Kankakee? Well, first, let me, let me thank you and uh, Jake for the opportunity to I thank God for you, man. We be you're my friend, my brother in Christ, man. Uh, and uh, you know, you you say I was probably the greatest high school football player, maybe in Kankakee. You as well as Esther's and some other guys uh, went on to the pros and and had a really good career. And uh, and you guys represented our town, and and and, and I looked up to you guys. And uh, so I just wanted to make sure I I thank you, man, for. Some of the the blocks that you've thrown for me in life, man, really. I mean, I can, I mean, um, a lot of people may not know this, but we met maybe 12, 13 years ago yeah. at an event with Coach Dennis Lanus. Yes. And we became friends and brothers in Christ, man. Yeah. And I looked up to you. I mean, I was like, man, that's Ted Peterson, man, <laughs> two-time Super Bowl. And I found out you being a greater, I mean, you're a great athlete, but a greater person, man. And my brother in Christ. And when I say that, I, I take it personal. Wow. I know you are. It's a big deal. And I thank you for throwing the spiritual blocks that you're throwing for me yeah. today, man. I just, I could go on and on and on. People may not know, but me and you know there's yeah. some things going on in our life that God has intertwined us. And we're taking territory for the kingdom of God. And for that, I'm just so Thankful to be on yeah, your team, yeah. man. Well, thank you for those kind remarks. And I, I too, you know, I, I can do that. And I do do that because I believe in you and what you're doing. And, and we're going to talk more about that later on. Who helped you get to where you are today? And who helped you get to a college scholarship and a pro draft and all those things? Okay. Uh, er, earlier in, in your life, who do you think was impactful? My mom, she raised uh, eight boys. Eight. I had uh, seven brothers. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I no sisters. So I didn't uh, know that. She was a single mom. She did the best she could. She did a great job. My grandfather was part of my upbringing. He uh, provided for our family a lot. His name's uh, Thomas Branch. Uh, he passed years ago, but he was my first real idol, my grandfather. Oh. Yeah, and uh, as I was growing up, I felt a lot of love. Uh, had a lot of freedom. I had an older brother named Thomas, Mike. Uh, we called him Mike. Mike was also a football player, great big brother. He always pushed me. He always was for me. He challenged me as I uh, became a man and went through some other things in life. He was one of the, the big influences, and I say my mom and my grandfather. There were some other people in my life, kind of make it short and not too long drawn out, but my childhood was good, man. Mm. I really had a lot of love in my family. Uh, sports was everything. I played baseball, basketball, football, track. Wow. Uh, I remember running for the JC, Kankakee JCs years ago. They would have it every summer, I think it was. And that was a big track meet. Day. It was a citywide track meet called the Kankakee JCs. So I played on uh, the little uh, little league football. I played with the East Side Bulldogs uh, <laughs> back way back in the day. Yeah. I remember uh, Chuck uh, Huntley and uh, Mr. Bernard was the uh, owner of the East Side Bulldogs back then. Uh, and then I had the chance as my mother moved to the different side of town, I played with the Azarelli Coats. That's when uh, I've heard of those guys. The too. Azarelli uh, Construction uh, yeah. family had yeah. the uh, ran the coats, so I was able to play on both sides of the of the the town with the uh, a little league football. There were some coaches in my life that took. Uh, my father wasn't there. I loved my father. We had a decent relationship. He was my mom and and dad wasn't married, so he was in and out of my life. But uh, we had a good relationship. 
I had some coaches in my life, Ted, that uh, really helped me become a young man and set the foundation for me becoming a man. One of them guys was Joe Rocket and Bill Farley. There was another guy who I looked up to and I watched him play. I actually ended up playing with his uh, little brother, Theotis James, but Willie James, he went to East Ridge and he played with Estes Hood. Okay. And uh, Willie James, Will James was my idol. He Uh was number 21. He was the the idol. Yeah, (laughs) I watched that guy. And that's who I decided I wanted to be like him, run like him. He, I watched Willie, and I, I got a chance to go over his house with because Theotis was my best friend, still is. And I seen Willie James in person, and he always was smiling. And he was such a hard-running football player and played basketball as well at East Ridge. But he had such a kindness about him. He was so competitive. He would run you over and then <laughs> give you a hand and help you up. <laughs> that oh, was wow. Will. But wow. uh, he was a great guy. And what age did you uh, pick him as a model in your life? I probably was maybe even pre-teens okay. because we used to go to the old the East Ridge games, and that was over at the off of Ken, or King King High School. Uh, it was a junior high then, I think, and we'd go to the games. And I happened to see East Ridge and Westview. That was a big, big thing in the town when they played. And the whole town was there. And I got a chance to see Will James go against Joe Rocket. Oh, yeah. And I was like, wow, that little guy is yeah. good. Yeah. So I met, I, I didn't really meet Joe Rocket, but I seen him and I had to give him props. I was like, wow, Will is tough and bad and runs hard, but Joe is quick and fast. And, and man, he was, uh, you know, elusive. Different styles. Different styles. He caught my eye. So, but later on, I got a chance to meet Joe. Joe came back home and became a high school football and track coach at Westview. And Joe became uh, my mentor. Mm -hmm. And he really talked to me about life at a young age, him and Bill Farley. Bill was a coach who, and I say this, but there were many athletes that they affected. Mm -hmm. But I believe that 79 group, 1979 uh, graduates from uh, Westview, maybe 78, 77. I think Joe came in 78 or so, uh, but uh, they hadn't been there. Him and Bill both, I think, came at the same time. But for some reason, they had a camaraderie. They were young coaches, and uh, the kids, we loved them. We liked them. They they could relate to us, but they was tough on us. They pushed us, but they showed us so much love. And that's why I know there's other athletes uh, and students that really took to Bill Farley and Joe Rocket because they showed you they just wasn't your coach. They were more than that. And they did yeah, some things yeah, yeah. off the field that showed you they cared about you and your family, what was going on in your life. Those were some of the uh, people in my life that really took the place of, a, of my father in a sense of father figure. And then the community, Kankakee. Yeah. You know, I was well-known. My dad kind of was well-known. For, for, and my grandfather was a older gentleman, and he had a lot of respect in the Kankakee area. If I was to skip school, they would get on me and tell my mom or granddad that, hey, I see him yes. out there. And, uh, and they would encourage me, hey, I better not see you tomorrow, you know, and things of that nature. So... That uh, the saying, uh, uh, it takes a village to raise a child. I was thinking the same thing. That's what a great community. Yeah. Back then, Kankakee really helped me come up, and and I could feel that. Yeah. So I had a lot of accountability. Getting back to your beginnings in athletics, in particular football, because I wasn't an instant success. Trust me, I I was not a very good football player for a long time. Were you? I I just think that you probably took to it like a duck to water, and you were a great running back from the very beginning. Is that true? Well, I'm I, I'm gonna now, say. Uh, tell me the truth. I think I think. Were you pretty good or not? I, I was. I was as <laughs> as a young young kid. Uh, I I did. I was pretty good. I was always a running back, so yeah. that was something I knew. You know, and I went through the ranks uh, back then. You know, you had. The Pee Wee Bantams, the Bantams, the Pee Wees, the JVs, and right. the varsity. Right. And I went through the ranks every right. two years. I'd go, and then, and I remember my very first 
football coach was uh, Jake Woods. And the community may know Jake Woods. He passed a few years ago. Great guy. Uh, he, he stayed uh, coaching football for many years at uh, Eastside Football. But Jake would push me. I remember watching Jake in high school. He, he, he blocked for Will James. And uh, Jake became a guy who could get on me, push me, and then love on me at yeah. the same time. And even as a grown man, Jake had that way about himself. He was real humble, soft-spoken. When he pushed you, he pushed you. He seen some yeah. things in me. James, you had some great coaches because I, I want to interject that good coaches are tough on their players. I mean, they're, but they love on them too, but they're not, they don't take it easy on them. You don't do people a favor by letting them get by with less than 100%. You True. know what I mean? True. And, boy, you, it sounds like you had great coaches all the way through. Well, yeah, I did. I, uh, in high school, like I said, uh, Joe and uh, Bill pushed me, especially yeah. uh, Joe pushed me in football. Bill pushed me in track. And I felt like I could run through a brick wall for them guys. <laughs> a lot of athletes, I know when I was coming up, uh, Ted, a lot of athletes had a lot of uh, talent, but some of them wasn't coachable. And they fall off, you know, you get into other things. So I thank God that I was uh, humble enough to even though I was good naturally, I still worked hard. Yeah. And I think some of the athletes today <laughs> don't have that concept. Yeah. Let me let me say this, too, that uh, the most common thing that I saw in college was unsuccessful men with talent, you know, because mm. they, they had a poor attitude. They didn't have a good attitude toward hard work and maybe discipline correction like you did. So I commend you for that. And that uh, I, I hope a lot of young people listen to this and, and realize that you had all this talent, but you still worked hard. And I'd like you to expand on that a little bit. And in what ways did you work hard? I mean, again, young people listening to this, what would you suggest that they do to be successful in athletics? First of all, you should uh, have confidence in yourself enough to be assertive, to be proactive. I'll give you examples. I can remember in high school, I would uh, run at Pioneer Park. I would chase rabbits. <laughs> chase Is that squirrels. true? Yeah. So you were before Rocky, or was that when the Rocky movie? <laughs> remember when he chased the chickens around and tried to catch a chicken? I do, but uh, I, I think I think I. <laughs> so you invented that, but, it. Well, I'm not sure, Ted, but I, I did it because my grandmother would have me out there in Pioneer Park picking these wild greens, and it was just so open. It was me and her, and I said, well, shoot, once I got done picking the greens, nobody was out here. I would, you know, practice on some moves and run, and then I seen some squirrels and some rabbits, and I started chasing them for my agility, and it helped me. I lived by some railroad tracks there was a little hill over the railroad tracks. The, the railroad tracks was on top of the hill. Mm -hmm. So cars would come over the hill, and I would be at the railroad tracks, and I would take off with the cars. So my little brother said, man, you're racing cars. You're faster than the cars. <laughs> I remember one of my little brothers saying that, and I was like, well, okay. But, of course, the car ended up, you know, beating me. But I would practice on my starts. Interesting. And I, and I also ran— I ran the railroad tracks themselves to help my balance. And I remember start off walking a few railroad on the railroad track, and eventually I would get a little faster pace and jog. And eventually— Not, on, could, not on the rail. Yes, on the rail. It helped my balance. I yeah, I, I guess so. I don't see how you could do that. That's amazing. Well, I— You, you it, could have been a gymnast. <laughs> I guess the girls do that. Yeah, though. well, but you never know. I mean, it helps your balance. Yeah, and I and I did it because of that reason. Wow. But uh, I got better at it, and I didn't. And when I could start running on those railroad tracks, I mean, it, it. And I could see that happening in some of the games in high school. I was like, wow, my balance was better. You know, I would yeah. get hit or something and still stay up. So overall, I would say to do the extra, to come early, stay late. Mm. Don't wait till the coach tell you, hey, uh, run a few extra laps. 
connect with your quarterback or if you're a receiver or you know, running back, uh, just do the extra. Yeah. And because uh, there's a lot of good athletes, you know, at right, high school. Right. And then when we go off to college, you know, you're, you know, mm-hmm. all the All-Americans, All-Staters, you're in college now. You're not the very best mm-hmm. anymore. I mean, uh, you're good, but your attitude, like you said, Ted, yeah. makes a big difference. Well, one other thing that I uh, contribute any success that I achieved was the people around moments where I grew up, James, their work ethic was tremendous. Mm. My grandparents, my parents, my neighbors that I worked for, they worked hard. And so I commend you for choosing to work hard because it is a choice. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you had all this great talent, plus you had this work ethic and it did great things. But, hey, can I say that, uh, you know, I think Kankakee – of course, there's no uh, East Ridge Westview today. There's just Kankakee, and it's a, uh, and they got it going now. They've been winning in a, in a lot of different sports and track and football and basketball. And uh, Ronnie Wilcox, he's the AD. Can I uh, say what a fine job I think he's doing there? And you know Ronnie? Yeah, I know Ronnie personally. I think he uh, he's doing a good job. He's got some good coaches. He's brought in some people, some of the local. People, I think, has uh, had a, a influence as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the local uh, coaches he have, uh, some of his assistant coaches, mm-hmm. and I think that helps. Let's talk about your best games in high school that sort of led to Purdue, uh, and you didn't know Purdue probably at the same at that time. But at what time did you know that you really had a chance to get a scholarship at a high level? And what were some of your better games? that led that to happen? I played as a—I uh, started as a sophomore, so I worked hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, my junior year, I was pretty much the main guy. And then my senior year, I really—they gave me the ball a lot. Okay. And uh, I think I had a, some really good linemen, <laughs> good quarterback. <laughs> I had some pretty good games, and like I said, along with the coaching. Uh, but I can remember uh, the, the game that I broke Joe Rocket record, and Joe— uh, it's amazing because Joe became one of my heroes too, and uh, I idolized him as his, you know. And then I got to know him personally, <clears throat> and he poured into me as a running back. And I, I was thinking, I knew we were playing this this team. I think it was Rich Central or something, but I knew that they were going to give me the ball a lot. And I asked Joe if I could, you know, wear his old. We had the same shoe size for some reason. And anyway, I asked Joe if I could wear his cleats that game. And he said, yeah, his old cliques, and he let me wear them. And I broke Joe Rocket record. I've uh, never never heard anything like that. That's a real honor for you to ask uh, that of him. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I admired him and respect him that much. That's and, wonderful. And he poured in. And I wouldn't have been the running back that I became if Joe hadn't showed me some yeah. techniques and, and give me some insight yeah. on a running hard, lowering my shoulder, attacking the, the defender, right. things of that nature. Yeah, like Walter more, Payton did that a lot. Yes, yes. <laughs> I was more of a scat back, kind of running out. Ah. I used my moves a lot in speed, and Joe taught me how to use my power. Yeah. And uh, and it helped me be a better back, especially yeah. when I went on to Purdue. And, uh, and yeah. because, well— so I had a great game. I think I had five touchdowns, about 300 <laughs> you know, yards. Yeah, a couple kickoff just, returns. You are a humble guy. Five touchdowns. And I want to say, too, Joe Muspin, uh, he is a fantastic human being that, you know, some guys wouldn't want their records broken. And yet Joe was hoping you would break his record. Yeah, Joe, Joe Isn't that was something? a man, great guy. Man. Yeah. I love him today. He's part of he's on our board uh, at our my our ministry. Yeah. I thank Joe it's so much. And when I was going through some tough times in life, Joe was a person who called me and said, Hey, strap up. Pick yourself up, man. You're bigger than this. You're better than this. Good for him. And uh and I'll never forget those uh those words or uh, encouragement when uh when I wasn't an athlete. So you're opening some eyes. People are talking. Maybe, I mean, what was the interest by colleges in you as a student athlete coming to play football? I mean, was it just Purdue, or were there others that wanted you? There was quite a few other universities, colleges. I had over 200 uh, offers in high school. You know how many I had? (laughs) One. 
Well, <laughs> but you took advantage of that one. Well, you, one offer. Yeah, it's yeah, something. Well, off, yeah. well, you know, we 200. Could, well, yeah, I was pretty highly recruited, you know, uh, with the uh, track and uh, football. And I, I knew I was humble. I stayed humble. I knew I was really good. Uh, and I wanted to be amongst the best. Uh, I went to a... Uh, a regional East-West All-Star game. I was the MVP there after high school. Mm. So they ranked me along with Eric Dickerson and Stanley Wilson. We were considered the best three running backs in the United States in 1979. No That's kidding. what Sports Illustrated said. So, no kidding. Do you still uh, have the article? Well, yeah. It's actually, <laughs> I don't know if I have it, but I remember Magic Johnson was on the front cover okay, okay. with his tuxedo. They had won the national champion that year. Uh, Magic came out yeah. of Michigan State. Right. So it was in that edition. Going to Purdue, I had some influence. Um, Fred Barry, uh, Fred Jaffe was uh, a friend of mine, uh, him and his brother Barry. I met him. Uh, I met uh, their father, Max Jaffe. They owned Jaffe Drugstore down in the north side of Kankakee on Skid Row. There was a few times in my junior year or maybe senior year, just a few times, I would skip school. And Mr. Max Jaffe would see me and say, hey, why are you out of school? What are you doing out of school? And I didn't lie to him. I said, I, 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 I. Uh, <laughs> he said, I tell you what, every day you, you, I don't see you out here, you come to the store and get a free ice cream. I said, really? I said, okay. So <laughs> so Max Jaffe is the reason I met Fred Jaffe. Fred was young, him and his brother Barry. They were pharmacists, and they had graduated Purdue University. Okay. So Fred took a liking to me, and, and we got to know each other, and, and I ended up uh, going on a recruiting trip to Purdue. I went to several other big colleges and things as well. And it was between Nebraska and uh Barry Switzer came to Kankakee, came to my house. You, you mean Barry, from Oklahoma then? Yes, Barry Switzer, the coach. <laughs> and, uh, so that was a big deal. One of my high school highlights, Barry Switzer asked me if I wanted to be the next Billy Sims, yeah. which Billy Sims won the Heisman Trophy as a yeah. running back. And I declined because I wanted to be the next Jimmy Smith, and I wanted to play as a freshman. So I wanted to start. I figured that if I had a chance to start. But high sight, looking back, you know, Purdue was a good school for me. I probably made the choice with my heart and not with my head. Mm -hmm. At 18 years old, there were some things that my family was lacking and things of that nature. And believe me, uh, recruiting is a war. Uh, even back then, huh. it, it was very challenging to do the right thing, to keep the stay uh doing uh, what is legal and not legal. You bet. Uh, and today it's even kids are getting paid money to come out of high school right, now. Right, right. So it's, it's really uh, challenging to kids to keep your values and morals and integrity. And uh, if you don't have a foundation, you'll find yourself chasing money at a young age when your ability could take you a lot further than grabbing something right now. Mm -hmm. So I, I think even what's going on today it's going to hurt young people in the long run. Mm -hmm. With the, the licensing, uh, the the name, whatever they call yeah, it. Yeah, the promoting of the athletes who yeah, yeah, getting right. cash and things. Because uh, that's what they're going to be wanting and not the uh, getting a degree, seeking your degree, seeking right, right. Uh, graduating, the completion of the camaraderie of being on the team for three, four years yeah. and graduating and yeah. then going to the next level if that's what's for you. But Yeah, James, let me stop you there, too, just to, to say that although I played nine years in the NFL and was on two Super Bowl teams, played with some great guys, 10 Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach, the best thing that I ever achieved was getting my degree in college because it allowed me to teach and coach. And I went to school, you know, at Eastern, not a great student, but I became a, a very good student, a lifelong learner. And I'm glad you bring that up. It's not good just to chase the the money, you know, that'll come and, and stuff. But those values that you're talking about, that's a good point. Yeah, it takes you a long, a long way in life because it does. You know, you know, and I know uh, we're gonna get old and we won't be able to play. <laughs> yeah, you don't. You 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 think you're eight foot tall and bulletproof though when you're eighteen years old or whatever, or even after that. So you're at Purdue. Did you have uh, 
did you start right away? Did you have Did you have good teams? Yeah, I I, I did well. We had a, a great uh, quarterback named Mark Herman. He was up for the Heisman Trophy yeah. my freshman sophomore year, uh, junior year. We I went to two bowl games. Uh, led the team in rushing several years. Uh, one of my better games I remember coming back home uh, was against the University of Illinois. <laughs> oh wow! And against uh, Northwestern, uh, I had a four touchdown game, two hundred yards rushing. So that was probably my best college game. I ended up with about 18, I think, touchdowns in college uh, at Purdue. I only played three years at Purdue. Okay. I ended up going to a college called Elon College. Now it's called Elon University in North Carolina. I finished my senior year there, and that's where I was drafted in the fourth round as well. Oh. Uh, but I had a great experience at Purdue. I was young. I learned how to, even when I made a mistake, I— and we talk about grades being a student athlete. I was short a few credits, actually one credit my senior year, and I was, wasn't able to participate. Right. I could either sit out, stay at Purdue, or go someone else, somewhere else <clears throat> to another school, enroll, and then go on and play my senior year. So that's what I chose to do. But it was a, a smaller school in North Carolina. And I never knew for several years that it was a Christian school. Oh, really? Yeah, Elon College. The nickname is called their their nickname is the Fighting Christians. Oh, okay. And uh, it's a story behind that because I was so chasing the NFL and and so into going to the next level. I really never knew. I didn't get that. I didn't yeah, understand yeah, that yeah. the Fighting Christians. But the people were so nice, Ted. The people were so nice. You do remember that. And I do. Their kindness and all that. And I'm like, hey, fighting Christian. Oh, that was a Christian college. Yeah. Wonder they were but so they nice. Never, yeah. So there was no requirement that you attend chapel or things nope, of that. No, nope, but but I no, it, but some so you, some kids, of course, was uh, their degree was in in in, in ministry and yeah, things. Yeah. But I just didn't. I was just didn't put it together yeah. back then. Yeah, so, yeah, I get, I get that. So you're at Elon. At what point did they start talking about you possibly being drafted? And did they ever tell you how high and that kind of thing? Or well, I, I come out of. I knew even at, at at Purdue, I was my speed was. I was very uh, speed was back and even today we know in athletics football speed kills it does uh, so speed was something that I had I had a very good forty yard dash time uh, when I went to Elon College I ran a four three flat 40. no way that yeah. was probably at the time it was the best running that well I ran right? the fastest forty time at the uh, combine. In 1984, no which was in kidding. Seattle, Washington. No, that was kidding. the fastest time at the combine. Well, four three flat, I ran that, and, and so, you were probably one of the bigger running backs. Yeah, right? I was about two ten when I come out. Ah. Uh, uh, when I was at Elon, very muscular. So I went on and got drafted uh, with the Washington Redskins. You know, even at Elon, uh, I came and they did some. Uh, you know, it was college day there, uh, well, pro day there. I, I knew I was going to be drafted. I knew I was good enough. Yeah, I I, I had one. But you hard. didn't know you didn't know what round, right? No, no, I didn't know where how high. Did, were you happy with fourth round, or do you think you should have been higher? Or I, I do. Uh, well, because I didn't attend Purdue my senior year. I mean, I think uh, you know if I would have stayed at yeah. Purdue. And if they would have fed me the ball, but uh, <laughs> Purdue is a throwing school predominantly. It's a quarterback school. They These are. are things that you know they, at the time I yeah. didn't really take it into account. Ted. Yes, and uh, I went there. I had a good experience. Coach Young was a, a, a good coach, and uh, I made some some good friendships at Purdue. Good bonds. Even some of the uh, the guys today, I, I still am close to them. I seen one of the guys uh, at my uh, my college uh, teammates uh, when I went on a vacation uh, just a couple weeks ago to California. Every pickings, I was able. He's a wide receiver. He was a wide yeah. receiver. And, yeah. So we we'll spent some time with him. But uh, as I look back on it, getting drafted, it was a dream come true. So I was excited. And I got drafted to a team that had just won the Super Bowl. Well, they were in the Super Bowl. And I went with a team that uh, I didn't really understand because they had a guy named John Riggins. And they had a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner named Joe Washington. 
And I was wondering, and they had an all-pro punt returner named Mike Nims. And, uh, but I did start as kickoff returner when I did go there. But uh, Who was the head coach then? The head Gibbs? coach was Joe Gibbs. Joe Gibbs. Yeah, he was the head coach. Great go- great guy. Uh, uh, coach Gibbs was a Christian, too. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. And uh, you had a lot of coaches. Was he different than the other coaches? or He was. He wasn't a yeller and a screamer, was he? A little bit. <laughs> I didn't, he doesn't seem to be that no, way no. on the field. No, you know? he was a thinker, but uh-huh. he was a he was a he was a, a player's coach. Yeah. Joe, Joe truly was a guy you could go and talk to. He was very approachable, but Good. again, he he really was a no nonsense guy too. But one thing that I knew uh, at practice and even at the games. The players could pray after practice. Mm-hmm. They would come together and pray after the games. They would pray. He would talk about prayer. He would lead to prayer. And back then, I wasn't very spiritual at all. But, yeah, yeah. but it still caught my attention, yeah, as a player. Yeah. How about, uh, and I brag on this, I hope this is true. You were a kickoff specialist, and is it true you scored a touchdown on the first, your first touch of the ball? Yeah, that was. Is that uh, true? It is true. That is is amazing. And is that, has that ever happened before or since? I'm not sure, Ted, but. uh, That's pretty cool, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, I kind of. And who who were you playing? I was actually, uh, well, let (laughs) me just, uh, I'll give you a little insight on that. Okay. It was the year before Washington Redskins and the L.A. Raiders was in the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And this was the rematch. The rematch. So the, the L.A. Raiders had won the Super Bowl in 83 against the Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. So 84 come, you know, this is the rematch. I can remember I was a rookie and uh, uh, Joe Theismann was a quarterback for the Redskins. Yeah. And uh, so I said, Joe, uh, we were at the facility uh, the day before the game or something. I asked Joe, hey, this is my first game. Uh, you know, we're playing in JFK. Uh, I'm like, I didn't really know how to get to the stadium. <laughs> Back then, we didn't have the GP, uh, uh, yeah. the what's the name? GPS. Yes. And uh, so Joe <laughs> said, follow me, Jimmy. <laughs> And uh, I followed Joe to the stadium. Yeah, that's funny. That must have brought me good luck. Long story short, but that game, uh, it was my very first kickoff return that I touched as a pro. And I ran it back for 101 yards. And when I think about that, uh, Ted, that's what it just fortified me as a person that I knew I belonged, that I knew I I I was good enough to be a pro and I wasn't just the average. Uh, I, I would guess so. I, I believe that uh, because uh, I just ran off a kickoff return against the Super Bowl champions. Yeah. You know, and to me that said something <clears throat> from a small town, little guy, uh, big dreams, big, you know. And I thought that um, my career started with a bang and the pros. So I'm thinking it's going to last long. It's going to, yeah, yeah. you know, it's going to be successful. But little did I know that uh, I wouldn't play long with the Redskins. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would, the next season, I'd be with the Raiders. And the reason the Raiders picked me up was because of that play. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, because uh, Al Davis was in the speed. He was into guys, uh, yes, Cliff Branch and yes. the receivers. Yes. Uh, so, and I got a chance to play with some great athletes <clears> as well. Uh, when I did go to the Raiders, Marcus Allen was the running back, Heisman Trophy winner. Greg Pruitt, another Heisman Trophy winner, running okay. back. So my... Running the ball was not uh, – I didn't get a chance to run the ball uh, with the Raiders. Mm. I played special teams, kickoff return, things of that nature. Tom Florence was the coach. Yeah. And I got a chance to play in the playoff game with Seattle. We played against Seattle. They, they beat us first round. But I had a good experience. I was young in the NFL, and I think that played a big role in me and my career in the NFL. Maybe not – not getting a lot of playing time. I only played two seasons, and then there was the strike season in 86. Right. So I sit out that season, and I lived in Los Angeles. So as a young man, not a lot of guidance, not really knowing how to be a professional yet. Yeah. Nothing Uh, to do either during the—I mean, you you couldn't go to the stadium and work out, right? No. During the strike year. No, right, during the strike year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. I, 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 yeah. you had all this freedom time on your hands. You probably never had that before. Yeah, and in a big city, young man, 
made some bad decisions. I I had a, I was married and I ended up with a, getting a divorce back then. And just some things started <clears throat> happening in my life. It came back to some values and morals, making uh, bad decisions. That's when uh, drugs and alcohol came into play. You know, as a, a professional athlete, I've seen a lot of things going on. And I didn't, I seen it. I didn't participate, but it caught my curiosity. Mm-hmm. And I can remember that when I look back on it, Ted, professional athletes are looked at and, and they're idolized and put on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of stuff, uh, you're sheltered. A lot of things mm-hmm. uh, you're, you're catered to. Yep. And as a 26-year-old young man, not knowing anything but football, I was downtown. I was living in Los Angeles on my own. And I... Uh, made some bad choices, mm. uh, got into th- some things. Drugs was one. Uh, so in 87, I, I was able to, uh, I got an opportunity to p- get back in the league, played for the Vikings, started uh, several games for them. But it was a sh- strike season, and uh, uh, we only played three games. Then the regular guys came back, but I ha- I was into some things, and uh, I didn't take an opportunity. They invited me back to play and and I I chose not to because uh I, I think the addiction had kind of set in and it was overruling my my decisions mm. uh, overruling uh, some of the things that I knew actually I can remember uh, and I say this Ted because I have an opportunity to really maybe share with some people who's listening I never thought because I loved working out I loved lifting weights I loved running it was it was everything. Uh, I mean, I could, it was a high to me. Yeah. And I can remember that when I got into drugs, it took the desire away mm. for me to exercise, to lift weights and to run. And I didn't understand that. Mm-hmm. I said, man, I don't even have the desire to train anymore. So that's how naive I was to drugs and alcohol at the time. And it ruined my career, almost ruined my life. But and, it didn't. No, it didn't. It didn't. Thank God. You're quite the man today, I'll tell you that. Amen. Hey, what's up? It's Jake here. Um, So, funny story. (laughs) I just locked myself out of my house because I went to run to the closest noble Dairy Queen next to me because they said they had something for me. They wanted my opinion on two different treats. And I was going to do this whole, you know, review in, in the podcast, in the Kankakee podcast studio about these two different treats. But I realized I forgot my house keys before I left and locked the house because it's just me at the house right now. So so I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to make the best of the situation <laughs> and uh, do the review outside because luckily today it's it's a little cold. But it's not like super duper cold for February. So let's get into this and see what Noble Dairy Queen wants me to try out here. Okay, so this is the Brownie Caramel Heath Cupfection. Uh, as you can imagine, it's got Heath bars in it. It's got brownies and it's got the uh, DQ famous soft serve in there. Oh, gosh, that just looks so good. And caramel, of course. And then, aha, okay, we got the Buster Bar Parfait. Man, that is a lot of soft serve. Oh, gosh, that looks so good. So they want, they want in my opinion, on whether the Buster Bar Parfait was tasted better, in my opinion, or the Cupfection, the Heath Brownie Cupfection, caramel brownie. All right, I'm going to try the Heath first. Oh, wow, there's so much Heath and brownie in here and caramel. This just looks delicious. Soft serve almost looks like it's marshmallows right now. Oh, man. That is like biting into heaven. That's such a perfect combination. Brownies, Heath Bar, Caramel, Soft Serve. What more could you ask for? Yeah. Okay. Two thumbs up on that one. Okay, I'm going to use a clean spoon. 
for the parfait. So this is the Buster, peanut Buster parfait. So kind of like a Buster bar, or I should say it's a Buster bar parfait, excuse me. Um, so instead of eating into a bar, you're essentially eating into um, just soft serve um, with all the peanuts and the chocolate in a parfait cup. Okay, I got a good chunk of peanuts here and some chocolate and soft serve, of course. Mmm. That's good. But you know what? It's good. I, I like I like the Buster Bar Parfait. But I will say, man, this Heath Caramel Brownie Cupfection really is perfection. <laughs> so, but you can decide for yourself. Go to the uh, one of the Noble Dairy Queen stores in Kankakee County that's nearest you and uh, try the, uh, the Buster Bar Parfait or the Heath uh, Caramel Brownie Cupfection. Let me know what you think. And thank you, uh, Noble Dairy Queen, for the treat. Now I just got to figure out how long it is until I get back into my house. <laughs> So how did you get back on track? Because I know, uh, I just know what you're doing today. How did you go from stumbling there in LA and a few years after to to what you're doing today? By the grace of God, mm. <laughs> I'd say that uh, because uh, I didn't really have any spiritual foundation. But of course, as uh, most of us athletes, even as just as people in general, when stuff go wrong, we first thing we say, help me, Lord, uh, oh, God, help me. Or, you know, eventually I got to seeking God. I needed some strength, Ted, that I didn't have as a, I was fighting a spiritual warfare with a, a physical fight and, and I couldn't win. I didn't know addiction was a, a demonic spirit. And it is who don't know that. Uh, who who's struggling with those those issues? So the way what happened for me is after many failures, I went to some treatments and different things in life. I actually I went to seven different treatment centers over maybe a ten year period. Wow. I did get some some sobriety here and there, but the athletic the athlete in me wouldn't let me give up. I knew. I could beat this thing. I just didn't know how, Ted. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I had an opportunity to go somewhere that I never wanted to go, come back to, which was home, which was Kankakee. Hmm. I never wanted to come back home because I was ashamed. I lost my career. I knew rumors had spread it. Uh, I had ended up going to prison. I had almost lost my life. Uh, it was a drug deal going bad. I was left for dead. And that's when I heard a voice uh, that said, Father, spare this one. We can use him in our kingdom. And uh, I was in Minneapolis, south side of Minneapolis, in a basement, uh, beaten, stabbed, uh, tied up, hands, feet, bag over my head, and left for dead. And I struggled to suck up air, to breathe. And I, I was in and out of consciousness for two days. And that's when I had never given up on anything in my life, and I closed my eyes to die. And I heard a voice said, Father, spare this one. Oh. We can use him in our kingdom. And I know today I hear that voice every day. I've never forgot that voice. And that was, I know without a shadow of a doubt, Jesus Christ was interceding for my life. And that changed me. I knew God was real because he spared me when he didn't have to, mm -hmm. uh, Ted. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I say this to people. He physically died for us, yes, on the cross 2,000 years ago, but until you know that he's real for yourself, your life will change. Once you know he's real, and, and I knew that Christ was real. He actually loved me that much, and, and, and I, that voice kept bothering me. So I got straight. Several months later, I went to move to Mississippi. I got in the church, uh, got a couple years clean. Again, found some other things, the big city again, just stumbled for several years back and forth, back and forth until I made a stand. And that stand was a guy here in Kankakee said, hey, when you get ready, I have a room for you. So Mark Jones from uh, LaSalle Ministry asked me and, and, and gave me that opportunity. And uh, 
that's how I met you, Ted. I was actually in a, a recovery home, the same kind of recovery home that we have today at We Stand for Christ. It was a 12-month recovery home. I stayed 14 months, but I got an opportunity. A guy said, when you're ready, when you get ready, that made a big difference to me because mm. all them years I said, man, I thought I was ready, but I really wasn't. So, and I got a chance to learn the word of God and know the power of God in my life, his word, if I applied it, and it changed me. Mm. And that's really the beginning of my life and where I'm at today. Mm -hmm. And I'd say this because uh, I didn't want to come back to Kankakee because I was ashamed. I was condemned. I had condemned myself. And of course, the world condemns us when we fall as athletes or as just people. It's not, they don't love you because you got all this. And his his love is be, in spite of, I didn't have nothing. <laughs> and he still loved me. So I was able to realize who I was as a man, not an athlete. And the word of God helped me say, yep, you are a conqueror. Yep, you are a victoria. Yep, you are important. Yep, regardless. I said, but I've been to prison. I lost my NFL football career. How could I go back to Kankakee and face this? Mm. And the enemy was telling me, nope, don't go back there. You won't get no help. Everybody will put you down. And when I came home, I had so much love and support. Ted, it was unbelievable. That's beautiful. It was unbelievable. It made me remember when I was a young man in, in, in high school how the city was behind me right. and pulling for me. Right. And, uh, man, so I made a vow that I would come back home and I would make my town proud of me. I would be someone, I would give back. I, I had been through the world, I'm like the prodigal son, <clears throat> but I was glad to be here in Kankakee now. Uh, I've been back here six years now. That happened in 2010, I think, Ted, when I met you, 2009. So it, it's been almost 15 years on this journey, and I am so blessed mm. to be home, to be in Kankakee, and uh, I'm part of a ministry that is bigger than me. It's called We Stand for Christ Jesus Ministry. And uh, we're giving back to our community. We're helping men and women uh, get over drug addiction, get over feeling guilty, and get over feeling defeated in life. And it's through the Word of God. And, and I'm glad to be an ambassador for Christ because I think we try as people to find different solutions in life to deal with our issues. And there is not, there is only one way mm. and it is God's way. And I say that, I say that because I tried every way, but God's way is the truth, the life. And the way. And the way. Amen. It is his way. So, yeah. uh, and, and you can't <clears throat> lose with that combination. Right. Uh, Tell us more about your ministry. Where are you based? What uh, types of things are you involved in? We are here in Kankakee County. Uh, we are at 1230 Southeast Avenue. It's a big red building, red and white, like the blood of Christ. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> anyway, it's amazing how we, uh, that building, it used to be the old homestead here oh, in yeah, Kankakee, sure. the restaurant, if people are familiar. So we went from feeding people with food to now we're feeding their spirit. We have a thrift store. We give a lot of things away to people. We help people. People donate a lot of stuff to us. It helps us pay the bills. It's a stream of income for us. It's a big building. So we have a recovery home upstairs. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, it's full. We got a guy coming in Friday. We'll have eight men there. Wow. We've had one graduation. We have another graduation coming up this month. What do you have to do to graduate? Well, it's a six-month program. Okay. It's a six-month, and then you can also go one year. So okay. you have the option. One of the things, uh, you know, of course, you have to stay sober. You have to be off of drugs and alcohol. And we promote the Word of God. There's Bible studies. There's devotions. We believe the Word of God, if, if you apply it in your life, it will change you. It will give you strength that uh, you won't have to overcome addiction. You must—the Word of God is what you need, and you can't beat— something that's demonic and it's a spiritual fight. It's not a physical fight. And so many of us feel that drugs and alcohol is a physical fight. I can do it on my willpower. I can just do it. Uh, I don't need nobody to help me. 
but we can't. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the uh, requirements. Uh, you know, even when one graduate, we ask that they stay connected to the church. We have a church there. We do church service every Sunday. We Bible study. It's a spiritual-based recovery center, basically. When I was at LaSalle Ministry 14 years ago, I had the opportunity to study the Word of God, to open the book, to, to be in a safe environment, uh, to be around other like-minded people who were struggling with the same thing that I had been struggling with through life. So... We promote the Word of God in, in Jesus Christ. I just uh, be sure uh, I am a pastor today. I praise God for that. Uh, never thought 14 years ago that I would end up being a pastor, promoting, teaching, and preaching God's Word, and not just doing it, but living it. And that is the greatest honor, Ted, for me, mm -hmm. is uh, that I'm a child of God. Mm -hmm. You know, after all that I went through, the drug addiction and prison, things of that nature, uh, it took all that for God to use me to be example for his people. And, and for that, I am grateful. I'm thankful. We're overseeing another building here in Kankakee. It's a, the gift of God, street ministry. It's a shelter, men and women's shelter. There's 12 beds for women, 10 for men. Uh, it's a big honor for our ministry. Someone seen fit because of what we've been doing the last couple of years Pastor Ed Kappel, he, he passed away. He'd been in the community for 15 years doing this, helping, mm. giving to the homeless, the poor, feeding them, clothing them. And um, he seen fit before he passed to ask me to help him. Mm. And it was an honor. You know, there's a lot of pastors, a lot of preachers, a lot of churches here in Kankakee established, been established, and he seen fit to ask me to help him and for our ministry and we said, yes, mm. we would help him. And, and he ended up passing, and we, we, we did his uh, funeral. Uh, my wife and I, we, were, we uh, did his uh, eulogy. Mm -hmm. uh, his wife, Linda, she's dear. She's a president now. And she asked us if we would take the building over to keep his legacy going. Mm. What an honor, big shoes to fill. But we are the people for the job. Mm. I am. I say that because he is, and it's not me. I don't have to do it by myself. Uh, we have help. We have volunteers, and we need more volunteers. I was going to ask you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I was going to ask so. you that. Uh, what are some of your needs? You're doing a great work in the community. It's so necessary with all the the drug problems across our country with the fentanyl and all that. I don't know that much about it. I just know it's a, it's a real epidemic. And, it it uh, is. It it's is. very dangerous, and a lot of people are dying and not intending, obviously, to die. You know, it's not like they're committing suicide. It's it, this drug, fentanyl, can—it's a real killer, isn't it? Yeah, it's very, very powerful. Uh, <clears throat> very little uh, will, 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 will take your life, will make your heart stop beating. And, and it's amazing. Here in Kankakee County, from uh, 21 to 22, we lost 76 people. Wow. that lost their life. There's a uh, Jim Rowe, state's attorney, set up some chairs at the front of the courthouse. What a powerful picture. He set 76 chairs up. Uh, those are families that lost loved ones in Kankakee County alone in one year. And it didn't just affect those 76 we lost. It oh. affects 10, 12, 20 more people on, for each one of those lives. It affected hundreds, maybe even thousands, mm -hmm. and it's in our county, in Kanky County. So, you know, one of the things that we are doing is to educate people and, and really empathize and, and have empathy and sympathy as well as encouraging them. You know, it is a slow suicide. Using drugs will kill you eventually, and it will. It kills your spirit if it doesn't kill you physically. And, and, and I know that personally because it killed my spirit. Mm. And uh, until we uh, find something that's greater than us, the spirit of God comes alive in us, we, we won't live. We'll just exist. So Jim Rose showed a powerful picture, and, and that is something that, that, that uh, has stayed in my, in my spirit. We're having a, a fundraising here for We Stand for Christ, Jesus Ministry, in February. And it's going to be at the uh, Van Juden's Farms uh, 
building uh, on Route 17 uh, mm-hmm. here on the 23rd. And I'm asking people that hear my voice, if you really want to help save lives here in Kankakee, please help us monetarily as well as physically. Put in some time. Come and volunteer at one of the centers at uh, We Stand for Christ Jesus Ministry or Gift of God. We need people. We need hands, men and women, to come alongside us. Dealing with people who has addiction uh, is not easy. And, and I'm here to tell you that I believe that's why God spared my life, mm. so that I could be here helping the people here in Kankakee. Well, there's no doubt about that. And I want to tell the listening audience that uh, the Van Drunen family has chosen to support you as well, and they believe in the great work you're doing. And I know the community, James, is is so glad to have you back in the community, and you're you're doing a, a really a great work. And so, thank you for taking the time out to be here this morning again. And if people wanted to give, or if they want to attend uh, this uh, fundraiser uh, in February, how would they do that? Well, we we have a a cash app. We have account at the First American Bank in Meadowview, in Kankakee. And you could uh, write your checks to We Stand for Christ Jesus Ministries. We are a 501C, so it's tax deductible. Mm -hmm. I could be reached at uh, 763-300-3149. That's uh, Pastor James K. Smith. You can come by the We Stand for Christ Jesus Mm -hmm. Ministries, or you also can come by the Gift of God on 5th Avenue, 660. Whatever one gives uh, will be needed and used to help the kingdom of God, to help God's people. I can promise you that. Also, we could use your time. We need people to help to be part of this, what we got going here in Kankakee. It's bigger than us, and it's our community, people. And if we don't help, then who will? Thank you. And thank you again for being here today. I want to close by saying thank you again to Jake Lamore for allowing us this opportunity. Yes, yes, for sure. So, hey, God bless you, my friend, and thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ted. You're welcome. Amen. That was such a great episode, and I really hoped you enjoyed having Ted in the driver's seat and let uh, Jimmy kind of guiding us through his story. So thank you so much again to Ted Peterson and Jimmy Smith for being a part of Kankakee Podcast on this very special episode. It was really an honor, uh, or I should say it is an honor to know those guys. As I said, two of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Every time I see them, they're always in a great mood, and that positivity just resonates wherever it is that they go. Now, once again, if you're listening to this episode before this Thursday, February 23rd, We Stand for Jesus Christ Ministries is having a fundraiser at Van Drunen Farms on Route 17 in Moments starting at 6 p.m. If you can't make the fundraiser this Thursday, that's no problem. You can still make a a donation if you wish to Jimmy Smith's We Stand for Jesus Christ Ministries by mailing a check to 1230 Southeast Avenue, Kankakee, Illinois, 60901. Or if you got Cash App, you can uh, send it to WSFCJM or make a deposit at First American Bank in the Meadowview Shopping Center in Kankakee under We Stand for Jesus Christ Ministries. Now that does it for this episode of Kankakee Podcast. I'm Jake Lamore. Thank you so much for listening. We are proudly presented by Pewter Pros, Stitch Prints, and Digital World Design family of businesses celebrating 25 years of small business ownership in Kankakee County. You can learn more at mypewterpros.com, stitchprints.com, and digitalworlddesign.com. Also, a special thank you to our patrons for helping make this episode possible, including Don Geisinger, Diana Crowley, Joseph Lamont, 
Bill Parakis of Meineke Car Care Center, Lori Krayoch, Karen Bishop, SLS Home Inspections, Seth and Mary Berkey, Jake Lee, Jesse Arsenal, Dave Barron, Veronica Featherston, John Sullivan, Sue Hornung, Samantha Rocknowski, Lake Iverson, Travis Garcia, Jane Bostwick, Dawn Harrison, Simon Topless, Scott Wright, Carrie O'Connell, Jamie Race, Joanne Berry, Anthony Vicelli, Eric Olson, Nolan Bukowski, Natalie Flagel, Carl Earps, Jeff and Rosa Carroll, Teague Dreenan, Sandy and Steve Twait, and Rose Lucky. To become a podcast patron, go to kankakeepodcast.com, then click on the Patron tab. If you pledge $5 or more per month, you'll also hear your name announced on an episode of the podcast. There's also access to extended versions of episodes and much more. Our theme song was written and performed by Lupe Carroll and recorded by Daniel Bishop. This river.